We have the privilege this morning of having a guest pastor with us all the way from Durant, Oklahoma. Now, those of you who know Mike and Christy Clement, who are here and have served with them, he is actually the senior pastor at the church that Mike and Christy are at, and they've been there for two years. He's the senior pastor uh, at Abundant Life, and uh, I want to introduce to you, if you guys will make a big bridge welcome to Mr. Chuck Barineau this morning. Thanks, man. Well, good morning. How's everybody feeling this morning? We are on a road trip. We have been on a road trip since uh, last, uh, since this past Tuesday. We got to McGee, Mississippi. Anybody know where McGee, Mississippi is? Anybody? I didn't think so. It's this little hole in the wall. It's in the middle of Mississippi and our bus. We decided we were going to stop about halfway in, and we were going to just sleep for a couple of hours on the road. So we stopped, and it got really hot in the bus. So when it got really hot, what happened was Pastor Mike, how many of you know Mike and Christy? Pastor Mike jumped up, and he said, I'm going to cut the bus on. And when he started the bus, the engine started screaming. Smoke started billowing everywhere. And that began 12 hours of us waiting for our bus to be fixed. We're on a road trip. <laughs> so we get to Daytona Beach, and we're, we're hanging out for a couple of days, and it's all good. And, and then my wife and I, we jump on the road yesterday morning because we are taking another road trip. And we're coming all the way up uh, to Smithfield. And we get in the car, and we start driving, and we get to Florence, South Carolina. And we go, we need to stop for gas. This will be our last stop before we get there. We take, and we pull up to the gas tank. We pump gas. I get him back in the car. We turn it over. Our power steering's gone. We're on a road trip. So we get it fixed, you know, a couple of hundred bucks later, the mechanic walks away. He's a little more blessed. I'm, I'm still on a road trip. And, and we walk in, we, 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 we finish the trip out, we get here, we go to Outback last night. Somebody say, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Prime rib, seasoned and seared. <clears throat> I had revival just now. <clears throat> we... So we go to Outback last night, we, we come back to the hotel, I, I jump up, I get up early this morning, I get dressed, you know, I'm going over my message, I, I, I walk outside, we put our daughter in her car seat, and you know, she's she a 15-month-old, put her in the car seat, uh, my wife gets in, I get in, we turn it over, we go to back out, my power steering's gone, <laughs> we're on a road trip, praise the Lord for road trips, have you ever been on a road trip? Most road trips happen during the summer. How many of you are feeling the heat of summer already? It's hot. It's hot. Yes, it is. It is hot. Summer is heating up. Uh, we found out just how hot it was yesterday after our power steering broke because it was actually our uh, uh, air compressor, the AC compressor, went out. So we rode for the rest of the trip with no AC, windows down. My kids let their inner Oklahoma redneck come out. They stripped off their shirts. We've got our daughter in her diaper. It was great. We found out just how hot it was. But I remember as a kid, man, I loved summer. How many of you loved summer as a child? Because summer, listen, summer meant a number of things. Summer meant no school. 
Praise the Lord. That meant I didn't have to get up in the morning. That meant sleeping in as late as possible. It meant staying up as late as possible. Well, do y'all remember those days? Do you remember, do you remember making it a competition? It was like you and your friends kind of got together and you were like, I stayed up till 4 a.m. Oh, yeah, I stayed up till 5. So my goal for the next night was going to be able to stay up till 6, right? And if we ever saw the sun come up, we knew we had won. You know what I'm saying? Because we had stayed up all night long. But then it became another competition. How late can I sleep the next day? I'm going to sleep all day. I slept until noon. Oh, yeah, well, I slept until 3 now I'm a little older, and, and, and being a little older, I found out I can't do that anymore because anytime I sleep past 8.30, one of two things happens. Number one, my seven-year-old and my three-year-old run into my bedroom and pounce on me, thus ending my wonderful sleep. Or number two, I found out I've gotten so old now I get sore. <laughs> I don't know why God lets that happen. It's cruel. We should be able to sleep in, and the kids should have to get up early. You know what I'm saying? But that's how it is. You know, as a, as a kid, summer was laid back. As an adult, not so much. I remember as a kid, we had youth camp. How many of you went to youth camp as a teenager? How many of you went to church camp as a teenager? Okay. Okay. Church camp was a time for me. Uh, all of a sudden, you know, I, I got a week without my parents. So, you know, I'm 12 years old, but now I'm, I'm a man. I am I am the man. None of y'all know what I'm talking about. <clears throat> I'd go to church camp and I'd get a girlfriend for the week. I didn't say it was right. I just said that's the way we did it at our church camp. <laughs> Pray for us, okay? I'd go to church camp. Now, as an adult, I still do church camp, right? Y'all just had church camp. Y'all just had uh, Code Red camp, right? I st as an adult, I still have to do church camp. Thank the Lord I now have Mike and Christy Klimek on staff. I get to do it less. For the last two years, I had to do church camp. I had to go with our teenagers to church camp, and I found out church camp wasn't quite as cool as I remembered it. Because now I've got to stay up to make sure that snakes don't bite my children who are sneaking out in the middle of the night. And then the early the next morning, they want to wake us all up so we can get up and do devotion. I don't know about you, but when I've been up all night, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not real privy on morning devotions at 8 a.m. by the lake. It ain't happening. You know what I'm saying? I remember as a kid going on family vacations. We'd take road trips. Every summer, my family would take a road trip. We would go to, uh, we, I was raised in Georgetown, South Carolina. That's right below Myrtle Beach. That's right above Charleston. It is that one city in the middle that stinks really bad. Yep. We have a paper mill, and, and growing up, they always used to say, that don't stink, that smells like money. I said, that's why I'm going to use a debit card. And, um, and, so, and so, you know, we, we, we grew up, man, we'd go on summer vacations, and it, it was a road trip, except for the fact that, you know, I, my parents never let me choose the music. And so growing up, I would get into, we would go to Cherokee, North Carolina, and we would stay at Irene's campground, and we would camp there for a week, and we'd get in the car in Georgetown, or in the truck in Georgetown, South Carolina, with our pop-up camper hooked to the back, and, and I would sit on that bench seat between my parents. I was cool. <laughs> and we'd get in the car, and all of a sudden, it would be one of two albums, one of two cassette tapes. I'm aging myself now. 
One of two cassette tapes. Number one, it was Smoky Mountain Hymns on the dulcimer. I wasn't trying to hear that. Or number two, which was even better, was Patsy Cline. How many of you remember Patsy Cline? You know how you can tell if your child has been truly tortured as a child? Because they can sing crazy. Crazy for... I was tortured, man. Therapy. I had years and years of therapy await me because I was tortured on a road trip. As a child, family vacations were so laid back. We'd get there, I'd jump out, I'd sit by the stream while my dad did everything. Now, as an adult, I still have family vacations, but now I have cars breaking down. I have hotel rooms to pay for. The dynamics have changed. Summer doesn't quite mean what it, what it used to mean. Summer, for an adult, for us, seems to have really beefed up. Maybe, maybe you've experienced that as well. How many of you, this summer, you've got a lot going on? Maybe it's business. You, how many of you got some business stuff going on? Throw your hands up. Let me see you real quick. I'm a participation preacher, okay? You got some stuff going on, man. It seems business trips or your busy season. How many of you got vacations this summer? Raise your hand. You going somewhere? How many of you going to the beach? Yeah, I live in Duran, Oklahoma. We have a lake. Yeah. My, uh, some of our teenagers saw the beach for the first time this week. That's the truth. I was raised on the coast. I was raised uh, on the beach. So, you know, how many of you are, maybe you got some sports things going on. Maybe you got some, uh, some of you had some summer camp last week. How many of you participated in that summer camp? I know that, that, that the leaders of the summer camp, any leaders here? Are you sleepy? And you still came to church. I know you saved. I know you saved because you still came to church after summer camp because most of us would have stayed home and slept. Summer is busier than ever. What I found out is in the scripture that Jesus addresses a church that uh, seems to become or have become overcome by the busyness of life. If you will, uh, look with me in Revelation chapter Two. We're going to start reading at verses 2 and 3. The Bible says this. It says, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear with those who are evil, and you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them liars. And you have persevered and have patience and have labored for, not, for my namesake, and have not become weary. Now let's pause there because I want you to understand what, in essence what Jesus is saying. He is in essence saying, I know you guys are really busy. He said, I know your works. I know, man, I know that you've been very productive. You've been, you've been working really hard to get things done. I know that, I know your labors. I know, I know that you've, you've really been doing some turnover. You've really been productive. You, you really are busy. I know that your summer has really beefed up. Yeah, watch, very next verse. Nevertheless, I have this against you. Now, let me pause right there. Do you know what Jesus just did? How many of you remember early in your dating life? Now, some of you are going to have to think real far back. Some of you are there now. 
Think back to your dating life. Remember back in middle school, you were, you were maybe seeing this, this, this person and, 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 and all of a sudden you thought things were going well. You thought, man, everything is rolling along just fine. Everything's happening. All of a sudden they sat down next to you and they said the dreaded statement. We need to talk. How many of you have ever been there? How many of you have ever given the we needed to talk? Shame on you. Jesus just gave the church at Ephesus the, we need to talk, guys. He said, I know you've been really busy, and I know, man, you've been contending for the faith with everything that you have. I know, man, that you've got a lot going on, and you've been just, you've been turning it over, man. You've been very productive. You've been doing a whole lot of really good things. But, guys, we, we, need, we need to talk. Watch. That you have left your first love. You've been really busy doing some good things, but you've gotten a lot accomplished, but, man, you've really kept things in order, but you've drifted. You've drifted. It, how many of you realize it's human nature to drift? Think of it this way. Say you have a daily routine. If you skip that daily routine one day, all of a sudden, the next day it becomes that much easier to skip it. Right? Let's break it down a little more. Let's say you skip your daily workout. Now I'm talking hypothetically here because as you can see, it's gotten real easy for my, me to skip mine. <clears throat> Say you skip your daily workout. You're, you're really uh, into this thing. You're really into working out. And you skip it one day. It makes it that much easier to skip it the next. Right? Same principle applies in your spiritual life. Say, say you, you, you had a real busy week and, and you had a real late night and now all of a sudden, you know what, it, it would just be so easy to sleep in in the morning. You know what, it's no big deal. I will catch up with my Bible reading. I'll catch up with my, my personal devotion. I'll catch up. And you get up and all of a sudden now you're in the middle of your day and you have to hit the ground running and you're going and everything's good and now all of a sudden... Tomorrow rolls around and it's that much easier to skip it. Or maybe you've been, you, you've been in the middle of this busy summer season and, and you're going, you know what, it, it would just be so easy. I, I've, I've had a really bu- busy summer. I've had, man, things have been really hectic. You know what, I, I'm really tired. I'm, just, I, I'm not going to go to church today. I'm not going to go to church this weekend. Now, listen, I'm not dogging you out. If you're in here and you, you've been on vacation, I'm not dogging you out because of that. Because I like vacations. We, my wife are leaving here. If we can get my car fixed, we're leaving here. If not, uh, would you welcome me to the bridge as a member? <clears throat> we may not be able to leave. And um, once we get our car fixed, we're, we're, we're leaving and we're going on vacation. We're going to hang out with some family for the next few days. The goal is on Tuesday morning, I'm, I'm going down to my, my dad's. My dad and I are going fishing on Tuesday morning. And, 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 and then we're going down to see her, uh, her dad and uh, stepmom. And, and we're just going to hang out for a week. So I'm not, I'm not dogging vacations out. But what I have found is that in the busyness of life, if we skip, if we, if we, if we skip one time, it becomes that much easier to skip 
the next. Can I get an amen? We all have the tendency to drift. And once the drifting begins, how many of you know it's just, it leads even further and further? You've never started a drift that led you right back to where you started. Right? How many of you have ever gotten into the ocean and you, you started playing around in the ocean and, and then all of a sudden you looked up and you were a half a mile from where you had started but you didn't feel like you had moved at all? You drifted? But Jesus gave us the remedy for that drifting, right? In verse 5, he said this. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen. Everybody say fallen. Now, if, if, if I was going to translate the Bible for the sake of this message, you know, and I'm not, I don't claim to be a Bible translator, but, but I think it fits here. He'd say, remember, therefore, from where you have drifted. He said, you started at a good spot, but man, you, you've drifted. So I want you to stop where you are, and I want you to think back to where you started. I want you to remember from where you've drifted. Then he says this, repent. That's a, that's a pretty bad word today in, in church, right? Repent, that's not a bad word. It just means change the way you think. It means turn around and go in the opposite direction. Repent and do the first works. Everybody say first works. Look at your neighbor real quick while I take a quick drink of water and say, you need to do some first works. <laughs> now blame it on the preacher because they done mad at you. You don't know me. You don't know my life. They mad. They mad. Blame it on the preacher. He, said, he told me to say it. Now I'm going to hide behind this little desk. Right here. Can't hide behind it. Jesus said this. He said, if you... In essence, he said this. He said, if you've started to drift, I want you to unplug from all of life's distractions. And I want you to hit the reset button. How many of you? I have, uh, I have two small children. I have three children, but we have two small boys. They're, 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 they're old enough to, to uh, be um, disciplined. And, and, and we have this saying around my house that goes... It, do I need to hit the reset button? Now, how many of you know where the reset button is on your children? <laughs> There's been a couple times in this trip I, I, I needed to hit the reset button. <clears throat> Jesus is in essence saying this. He said, listen, guys, I want you to stop where you are, and I want you to look at where you've drifted from. And then I want you to see that you've drifted. I want you to repent. I want you to change your mind on that thing. Then I want you to unplug from all of the distractions of life, and I want you to hit the reset button on your spiritual habits. I want you to do the first works. So for the next couple of minutes, I want to talk to you maybe about, some of you, this may not be applicable. Maybe you're sitting here and you're going, ha, a little short, fat guy, he's kind of funny, but I wish he'd hurry up and be quiet. For some of you, this may be applicable. <laughs> some of you are going, God, I wish Pastor Farrell would get back. <clears throat> Some of you, this may be applicable. So I, wanna, I, wanna, I, wanna, I want us to look at a, at a couple of things that you may want to hit the reset button on. And it all comes under the umbrella of what we call personal devotions. Now, let me start it out by telling you about myself. When I was in college, I went to Emanuel College in Franklin Springs, Georgia. How many of you know where that's from? Do we have any Emanuel alumni in the building? No, look at here. I've got some over here. All right. All right. I went to Emmanuel. Pray. Go ahead and give him a hand. Clap. 
Yay, Emmanuel. Woohoo. Go Lions. <clears throat> I went to Emmanuel, and uh, when I got to Emmanuel, I was an incredibly disciplined guy. When I, get, I would get up, and I was a freshman in college, I was living in a dorm, Wellens dorm. I was the, I was the closest to Satan I want to get. I moved out quickly. <clears throat> Lived in Wellens dorm, and I had a dorm full of guys, man. And every morning at 5.30 a.m., my alarm clock went off. 5.30 a.m. I'd jump up out of bed. I was dressed and out of the door by 6 a.m. From 6 to 7, I walked around our campus with my Bible, and I would pray, and I would read the Bible, and I would attempt to hear from God for a solid hour every morning. From 7 to 8, I'd go and eat breakfast, and then I'd go back and grab all my stuff, and I'd head to class. I was incredibly dis disciplined. But what I have found is that as I have started out of college and I've started living life, I found that my summer has really beefed up. My, my life has just gotten busy. And what do you think took the hit? Those hour-long morning devotions. Now I can see, I can see the religious attitude rising. I can sense the judgment coming. So let me stop. Before you start to judge me because my hour-long morning devotions have taken a hit, we all need to take a look in the mirror and give an honest assessment to how your personal relationship with the Lord is faring with your busy schedule. Now, I do realize that there may be those in this room who are not acquainted with the term personal devotions. I, I realize that. So let me explain it real quick. It isn't a term that you can look up in your Bible and go, okay, let me look, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Oh, look, thou shalt do personal devotions. It ain't in there. Don't look for it. It's a term that, 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 that believers, that Christians have put together to, uh, to, to be associated with the, the spiritual habits that we practice uh, so that we can spend time with with God, right? So let me break that down because I want you to understand what I'm talking about. Number one, I'm talking about prayer. Prayer is simply the art of talking to and hearing from God. Now that sounds really simple, doesn't it? But let's be honest. That is much more difficult than it sounds. Now I know a few people who are gifted in prayer. You know any pr gifted prayer warriors? When I was pastoring in Charleston, I pastored, there were, we, we had this lady, she was an elder in our church, and her name was Elder Gloria Dean, and Elder Gloria Dean was one of the most gifted prayer warriors I have ever met in my life. The joke used to be was if you ever need to find Jesus, go to Elder Gloria Dean's house because he's probably in the back bedroom. She was one of the most gifted prayer warriors, but I've come to understand that she is the exception to the norm. Because let's just be honest, we feel the weight of condemnation when we hear scriptures about praying without ceasing. you got to be kidding me. I struggle to maintain the habit of praying every day, much less continual prayer. And then when we hear others talking about, you know, well, God, man, God's really been speaking this to me, or God's really been speaking to that. And a lot of times what we do is we walk away and we go, man, what is the matter with me? I hadn't heard God say anything to, 
to me. So there's prayer. There's the art of talking to and hearing from God. Then there's, then there's Bible reading, right? We, we've all tried our hand at it. How many of you have tried it and it seemed to fall flat? We read it and all of a sudden it's like, I don't get it. You want to understand, you want to get it, but it, it feels like there's just this, this wall up. Anybody ever been there? Maybe you feel like that. Maybe you've given up on your personal devotions. Maybe you have come to the decision that, you know what, it's just easier for me to sit back and let Pastor Farrell hear from God and he'll stand up on Sunday and he'll tell me what God is saying. And I'll just come to church and I'll hear God that way. But what we have to understand is, man, in the busyness of life, in the beefed up summer, it is imperative that we take the time to spend with God, right? What I found is in Matthew chapter 14, we see Jesus modeling this for us. In Matthew 14, we, we uh, see the story of uh, John the Baptist, and John the Baptist is beheaded. Now, John the Baptist wasn't just a close friend of Jesus. He wasn't just a co-laborer of Jesus. He was Jesus' cousin. He was a family member. And in verse 13 of uh, chapter 14, it says this. It says, and when he heard it, heard what? When he heard that John the Baptist had been put to death, he, Jesus, departed from there by boat to a deserted place by himself. When Jesus went through difficult situations in life, when he was experiencing adversity, he didn't just try to, to beast through it and handle it on his own. He would take the time to withdraw from everyone else, to unplug from the distractions of life and spend time with the Father. After he heard about that, all of a sudden now the crowds come to find him because they, they needed to know where Jesus was. And so when, when they found him, we find him now having compassion on the crowd and feeding the 5,000. And watch what it says in verse 22 and 23. And immediately, this was immediately after everybody was full because you know when people come to your house hungry, they don't never leave until you fed them. You got that relative. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat. Sometimes you need to make your relative get into to the car. And just go, I'm being scripture. I'm, being, I'm following Jesus. <clears throat> Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he sent the multitudes away. Next verse. And when he had sent the multitudes away, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. What do I learn from that? Not only did Jesus withdraw during times of adversity, but when Jesus had a busy day at the office, when it seemed like life began to overwhelm him and he had so much going on, he always made sure that he took the time to separate himself, to get to a place by himself where he could spend some daily time with God. And so for me, I don't know about you, but for me, that makes a lot of sense because if Jesus, the Son of God, needed that personal time, 
How arrogant do I have to be to feel like I don't? I got this. I'm okay. I'm all right. I know I've been through a bad time. I just, you know what? I just lost my job. You know what? Things, things aren't going so well for me right now. But you know, I got this. I got this. Don't worry about me. I'm good. If Jesus, the Son of God, needed to withdraw during times of adversity and difficult times, how much more do, do I need? You know what, I, don't, I, you know what I, I missed my devotion this week, all this week. You know what, it's been, it's been rough. But you know what, I, I, it's understood, man. I've been busy. Work's been busy. You know, uh, we, you know, our family, we went on vacation. You know, on vacation, you really don't have time to do your personal. But you know what, Jesus understands. You know, he, he, he even took a Sabbath. If Jesus, in the busyness of life, took time and withdrew to spend time with God, how much more do we? Now, am I saying it's always going to be easy? No. Well, preacher, you said just a few minutes ago, you were talking about how it's difficult for people to pray. What, how, what, are you telling me now that I just need to pray and, and, and I, need to, I need to, you know, even if I don't feel like it? Yeah, yeah. So you wanted me to come in and you wanted me to give you an easy answer and go, you know what, if you, if you can't feel it, if you're praying and you're just not feeling it, just feels like it's hitting the scene, just stop. Come back later, it'll be okay. No, 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 no. Sometimes you need to just keep pressing through. The Bible says this in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 14. It says this. I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward. Everybody say upward. How many of you have ever been on a treadmill? When you start doing the resistance on the treadmill, is it easy to walk that? How many of you have ever went hiking? You go hiking in Oklahoma, it ain't a big deal. <laughs> you go hiking in Colorado, different story. You go hiking in a flatland, it's okay. Yeah, you know what, I can just stroll along, it'll be all right. If I decide I'm going to hike the Grand Canyon, all of a sudden... Jesus said, sometimes you've got to press because it's not going to be easy. Sometimes you've got to sit in the face of difficult circumstances and in the face of times when it's, it's not easy to pray or it's not easy to read your Bible, and you've got to go, you know what, I'm going to press through. I believe one thing that our generation, my generation, has failed to do is they have failed to learn how to persevere. My parents' generation, they knew what it was like to see difficult times and go, you know what, I'm not going to quit. My generation, if they have a boss talk back to them at McDonald's, they'll go, you ain't my mama, and walk out. Sometimes I need some more fathers to raise up. Listen, I tried to quit my job at McDonald's one time. My grad grabbed me by the ear. He said, we're going back up there, and you're going to take that job back, and when it's time to quit, you're going to give them a two-week notice, and you're going to let them know beforehand you ain't walking out doing nothing. And he taught me what it meant to persevere. And that has translated over into my spiritual life because now when I reach a time where I start to pray and talk to God and I feel like I don't hear anything in return, I find myself going, you know what, I could quit right now. But I start reading my Bible and it feels like it's just 
slapping me in the face. I'm not really getting anywhere with it. God, I don't understand what I'm reading. I don't understand what I'm going through. And I go, you know what? It'd be easy to quit. I got lots of stuff I need to do. I could close this book and I could go on about my business. And then all of a sudden, I can feel my dad in my mind grabbing my ear and going, we're going back up there and you're going to take that job back. And I go, you know what? I'm not going to quit. I'm going to press right on through because there will be times in your road trip of life that it's not going to be easy and you got to beast it on through. Now, with that said, that was kind of mean, preacher. Excuse me, pray for me. I want you to understand that on the journey, there were times in, 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 in the church. I was raised in church. I don't know if you were raised in church. I was raised in church. And it was just kind of expected that you do certain things and, and you, you know certain things. And, and so when I got saved, I didn't know that, that, that people struggled with sin still. I just thought you just quit. I thought, I thought, you know, you come down and you give your heart to Jesus and he zapped you and you just... Wearing your halo from here on out all the way through till Jesus come. And what I found out is, is that God's not quite as judgmental as people are. I thought I'd get a big amen on that. I found God's not as judgmental as, as people are. God's a whole lot more patient than we are. And what I found out is that as long as I'm on the journey, I tell people this, I tell, I tell uh, young guys that I hold accountable, I tell them this all the time. I said, as long as you struggle with your struggle, you're okay. I'm like, listen, Samson, until when you lay your head in the lap of Delilah and you tell her all your heart, that's when you're in trouble. Don't stop struggling. Don't stop pressing. Don't stop walking up the hill for the prize because if we will continue to move forward, there will be a prize. And so you're in here and you're going, you know what? I've been struggling. Man, I've, I've, had, a, I've had a difficult time in, in, in my devotional life, man. It, it, it just has taken a hit. The busyness of life has really gotten me down. Things just hadn't been. I want to issue you a challenge. I want you to make a commitment today for one week. One week. That's all I'm asking you to do. One week. I'm not asking you to make a from now till Jesus comes decision. I'm asking you to make a one week. Seven days. Make a commitment starting today that you will go home and you'll go, you know what? I'm going to spend 15 minutes. How many of you love uh, super spiritual people? Over, overly religious people. I love overly religious people because they'll look at you and they go, you know what? I'm going to make a commitment. I'm going to spend eight hours a day in the presence of the Lord. I'm like, in 30 minutes in, you're going to get bored, and you're going to go home. You're going to go and do your own thing. You're going to be like, I messed up, and then you're going to beat yourself all up. Start with 15 minutes. Say, hey, I'm going to spend 15 minutes tomorrow reading my Bible and talking to God. And then once I've conquered that mountain, I'm going to give 15 minutes the next day for seven days. I want you to make a commitment. But see, what I have learned about ourselves is when I've made a commitment, to me, and even sometimes when I make a commitment to God, what I find out is, as long as I don't tell other people about it, I'm not really held accountable. Right? Now, I know some of you are going, well, if you told God about it, God will hold you accountable. Okay. That's just 
step down for a minute off my high horse and be realistic. If I make myself a commitment to God and I say I make a commitment, I, I say I make a commitment to God and I make a commitment to myself and I say, you know what, I'm going to give 15 minutes tomorrow. I have found out that if I'll turn around and tell somebody else, hey, man, Jared, I decided I'm, I really, I'm struggling with my devotional time. I, I need to, I'm going to take 15 minutes tomorrow and I'm going to try to do that all week. Will you check up on me? Now, all of a sudden, I've got somebody else involved in that. So this is what I want you to do. We're going to pray in just a minute. And I want you to think of one person that you can make a commitment to and go, you know what, I've really let my spiritual life, let my spiritual life take a hit, and I need to jump back on this thing. I need to get back on the horse, and I need to start going again. And so I'm, I think I'm going to think of one person that I can talk to after this service is over and go, hey, man, listen, I'm giving 15 minutes this week, seven days. I'm going to give 15 minutes, and I'm going to work from there, but for 15 minutes day for the next seven days. Will you talk to me about it? Will you call me and see how I'm doing? Will you check up on me next Sunday at church and see how I, how I did in that? No judgment, no anything. Just, hey man, how's it going? Are you still on track? Are you still doing your thing? Are you still going? Will you, will you think of somebody? I'm just going to pray. Listen, and I'm going to ask for you because I believe we're, we're adults in this room, right? <clears throat> I know some, some of you it's questionable, but <clears throat> we're adults in this room. And we can all make that choice to go, you know what? I care enough about this. I care enough about my spiritual life that though summer has gotten busy and the road trip of life has kind of gotten overwhelming, I know what's taking a hit and I know what I need to do. I need to step back. I need to unplug from the distractions of life. And I need to hit the reset button on my spiritual habits. Will you stand with me? We're going to pray together. But just as a matter of response, I'm going to go a little old school on you. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I see that hand. If you're in this room today and you're going, you know what? Chuck, man, I, I really... Like, I, I hear what you're saying, and it makes sense, and, and I've been thinking about my own life, and I realize that, that my relationship with God, my, my personal time with Him, my, my Bible reading and prayer time, that, that sort of stuff, man, it's, it's really suffered because of how busy life has gotten. And so I heard you, <clears throat> and just as a, as a matter of response, I, I'm going to respond to your word today and I'm going to find somebody that can hold me accountable. Will you let me know just so I can know if this word hit home or not and so I can pray with you? I'm going to count to three. If you will, shoot your hand high up. One, two, three. If you're in here, awesome, awesome, awesome. So let me pray for you real quick before, we're, uh, before I, I turn it back over to, uh, to Pastor Andy. <clears throat> Father, I thank you so much for your people. And Lord, I'm not throwing judgment on anyone. I hope that, that maybe we've laughed a little bit and maybe I've said some stuff that, that, that kind of made us think a little bit. But God, I just, I pray for every person that lifted their hand in this room this morning. And Lord, help us to, 
make the main thing the main thing. Put our priorities in order. And help us to turn this thing around. <clears throat> and Father, I just pray that you would give them the strength, give them the, an idea of the person that they need to go to. And Lord, as they, as they find someone to hold them accountable, God, I pray that this week that they would find such refreshing, such joy in your presence. And Father, we thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen.